It's time to set aside the superficial. It's time to go deeper. It's time to engage in truth. Here's John Bornstein. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome back to Engage in Truth. This is John Bornstein. I'm the senior pastor of Calvary Fellowship Fountain Valley right here in Colorado Springs. And I'm so excited that you are tuning in. We are continuing our study of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. It seems like we're only getting through a couple verses each time we're together because uh, there's just so much content here. We, we've really been uh, covering this very deep subject of, of marriage and even the difficulty of divorce and remarriage couple weeks back, we even talked about the, the blessing, the consecration, the gift unto the Lord that singleness can be. So we're not alienating our singles either. Uh, there, there's a gift that can be given unto the Lord through singleness and service to the Lord and such. So I would encourage you over the last few weeks that we've been covering this, uh, please go back, listen to those, uh, make sure that you've got the, the, the baseline of all of this dialogue, because uh, you know sometimes it's easy when we hear just one section of a, of a much bigger discussion uh, we, we can ask those questions, what about this, what about that, and and we've probably covered it possibly in, in prior broadcasts even. So go back and listen to that at calvaryfountain.com, calvaryfountain.com. You can listen to the all the, the shows, probably some 20 programs are archived there and more, so uh, feel free to, to take advantage of that when you get a chance. If you need notes, we'd be happy to send those to you as well. We want to encourage small group studies in any way we can uh, foster this conversation and help equip the saints for the work of ministry. So again, I want to thank you for tuning in today. Let's continue in our study here, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And let me just back up a little bit, because last week we were really hitting some of the subject of divorce and remarriage, and of course the grace and mercy from Almighty God, to the fact that He removes our sin as far east as from the west through a repentant heart is, is amazing. It's truly a gift that we can start fresh today, regardless of what the journey journey has been up until now, even like the thief on the cross, despite a life lived that may have been in opposition to Almighty God, today is the day. Today is the day to begin afresh, to begin anew, and to walk with Almighty God, to abide with Him. Go back and read 1 John and really understand what it means to abide with the Lord. And, and last week we talked about a little bit more on this idea of how then do we avoid uh, the circumstances that would create divorce once again. Maybe you've Maybe you're on the, the threshold of divorce. Maybe you've even used that D word in your conversations uh, as, a, as a couple. And, uh, you know, maybe you've been divorced and remarried. And so you'd want to just honor God from this moment forth. And so we really wanted to cap capture last week some of that discussion of how do we just stay married? How do we honor our commitment, our vows, not only to our spouses, but to Almighty God? So let me just recap just a little bit. One way to do that, of course, is praying together. Let, let me emphasize that. I can't emphasize it enough. A couple that prays together stays together. The Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology had this to say about prayer. They actually researched about prayer. In fact, they researched an example, a sample group of some 206 married adults dealing with relational conflict. And among the couples that, that reported some kind of improvement then, an adjustment in their relationship towards the betterment, 81% were praying more frequently together. So regular prayer helped couples prevent conflict in their relationships. So prayer 
appeared to be this softening event. It facilitated problem solving and reconciliation. It gave us a closer proximity and accountability to God when this occurs. So, of course, in these couples as well, they noticed this. They they were able to come to this conclusion that a sense of accountability to God facilitated commitment to one another, to him ultimately, and thus a greater willingness to invest positively in one's relationship with God and ultimately the spheres of influence around that individual. So according to the research, the positive effects of action, the action of prayer is undeniable. So when a father prays for his children, for example, He's demonstrating something truly significant in that, and and this is important to understand because we we have done the research, and the research tells us that 93% of women want their husbands to take on the spiritual leadership of the home. Be the example. Model it just as God had designed it, as Jesus instructed through Ephesians chapter 5, that men, you're not only a provider, you are a priest of your home. So when you're praying with your children, especially, what you're showing to your children is that you are an individual of humility, compassion, and love, that you're accountable to someone bigger than yourself, operating in a structured chain of command. And this keeps the family in a healthy alignment. And this gives women a great deal of security, which helps foster a healthier relationship. So if women feel more secure, they feel loved, they feel heard, this is not something that comes easy for most men. But as we cultivate closer communion with Almighty God, then what happens is we're putting on the mind of Christ thinking differently, hearing differently, and ultimately acting differently in a way that honors our spouses, that positions us even as the bondservant, foot-washing, servant-minded leader. Okay, so they need to see us model this. And as I ended the program last week, let me encourage you once again that if you have children in your home right now and you spend 20 minutes even per week just 20 minutes a week, intentionally teaching your children about the ways of God from the age of 4 to 15, they will receive 190 hours of biblical training. Okay, so we're not talking about an overwhelming amount of uh, of biblical teaching in your home. If you start there, my hope and prayer, of course, is that it will continue to cascade out from all through your spheres of influence, continue to grow. There'll be more time together, and you'll see less of that distraction that seems to come by way of those portable electronic devices like cell phones and iPads and everything else that now dominates the landscape has now interrupted dinner time and any healthy conversation that we can have as families. So if you just start small, even just 20 minutes per week with each other, with your children, watch what God does in your relationship and bonding the two of you together. I know when things are better in my home, I notice that my wife and I are praying more together. It really isn't that complicated. We are making it far more complicated than it needs to be, but it's a healthy discipline. We don't like the discipline word, right? I mean, just watch how we eat, how we maybe don't exercise, all these things we know we should do. We feel better when we do it, and we resist anything that seems to be healthy for us. Let, let's just continue on in this discussion then further with um, a little bit of a change of pace here. I want to just really focus in now 
on how do we just maintain the strength and glue of the relationship. Let's expound on this a little bit further. Uh, Daniel Horowitz, she is a licensed clinical social worker in Los Angeles. She gave us reasons behind the demises of marriage that we talked about last week. Now she shifts gears, and and I'm just going to give you some of what she shared about the recommendations for men specifically, how we can prevent divorce and improve our marriages. Now, this is a non-biblical source telling us what we should already know, right? Because this really is extrapolated from Scripture. We seem to think, pat ourselves on the back when we come up with these conclusions, and yet it was already in the Bible. All we had to do was just read it. So Horowitz, of course, says that there's plenty of things couples can do to ensure their marriage endures the long haul by staying connected as a couple. Productive communication skills are important, as you might imagine. So uh, a husband can do better job in some of these areas. Let me just highlight these for you. Number one is he can tell his wife that he loves her. Number two, he can show his wife that he loves her. <laughs> that's uh, Those are two key aspects, not only telling, but demonstrating. Okay, that's a love language. He can talk and listen to his wife because she has important things to say and is an equal partner in the marriage. Okay, that's that's tough to do. Easier said than done. Now, he can also talk to his wife and share with her struggles, achievements, thoughts, and dreams. It's very easy for us to think about what we want to just unload on the other, right? It's a, it's another thing altogether to actually hear what they're saying and respond in a healthy conversation. So a husband can acknowledge his wife, not in a sexual way, but such as through touching of the arms, stroking of the back, gentle touches here and there, even tucking the hair behind the ear, those kind of things, those little touches of affirmation and affection that are very healthy and doesn't feel like there's a motive behind it can yield a very positive outcome. Now, a husband can also anticipate the needs of his wife by making her life a little bit easier, such as loading the dishwasher, wiping off the table, making a meal before bedtime that you can pack away, such as a lunch for the next day. These type of demonstrations of affection, the love language through acts of service, can really go a long way. A husband can remember that his wife is the most beautiful woman in the world and make sure that she knows that too. (laughs) You know, it's one thing where we say, well, she should just know that. Oh, gentlemen, go out of your way to make sure that she knows that, okay? Uh, Make make her the spotlight in your conversations. Make her feel like your eyes will possibly wander away from her, okay? So make sure to recharge her battery when she's tired and worn out. And, and be sure to help her get over some of the difficulties maybe that she's feeling in that day. I mean, be, really be a, a, a guidance coach, a, a listening ear, a champion for her, and even encouraging her in her dreams and, and all of her endeavors. Support her in these things. You can even help recognize the small and simple things. May not be so small to her. But, you know, it may be very serious to her. And I know, gentlemen, you can get real busy. And sometimes you may not think much of what she's trying to communicate. Maybe she's bothered by something that happened in her life and in her day. And it may feel like in your moment that it's not as significant as something that you may feel like is of great importance. And you got to remember, if she's taking the time to share this with you, it should be of the greatest importance. And how we respond in that, how we hear her, will demonstrate significantly 
an act of love, that she's important, and what she says is important. If we can do these things, watch how the aroma of your home will change. So men, it's time to fight for your marriages. Fight for your family. Be the man that God has called you to be, and watch what God can do through your obedience. Paul continues in this teaching here for us in verses 12 to 16 of 1 Corinthians chapter 7 on the permanence of marriage. Let's read, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say, if any brother has a wife who does not believe and she is willing to live with him, let him not divorce her. And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but now they are holy. But if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God has called us to peace, For how do you know, O wife, whether you will save your husband? Or how do you know, O husband, whether you will save your wife? Now, you see, four times here in verses 10 to 13, Paul specifically prohibits divorce. But four times, well, I would suspect that that means business. I mean, when Paul has to reiterate something four times, that's how serious this is. There is a bigger mission to be had here. So Paul distinguishes between his own apostolic instruction and Jesus's teaching during his earthly ministry. Paul deals with a situation about which the Lord gave no recorded instruction specifically, at least recorded during his earthly teaching. So there are two aspects to this that are very important for us to recognize. Number one, mixed marriages, a believer with an unbeliever, can occur in one of two ways. One possibility is when these two individuals got married, they were both unbelievers. Now one of them has become a Christian. The other side of that coin is in regard to a believer who violates God's law but by knowingly marrying an unbeliever. They, they've entered into a covenant before God with a spiritually lawless individual, though they may seem like a good person. We're in love. They understand me. Though it is inevitable that there will be some kind of trouble in this. And Paul will address this to great deal in 2 Corinthians 6, 14 to 18. Now, in verses 12 to 16, the discussion is not about a believing spouse initiating a divorce. Instead, the unbelieving spouse initiates the divorce. So the general principle then in verses 12 to 16 is that those who are married are to stay married, i.e. the believer should remain married even to the unbeliever because they've made a covenant vow before Almighty God. But although the believer should not initiate the divorce, if the unbeliever should do so, the believer is no longer bound to that marriage, according to verse 15. Paul granted permission for divorce in the case of a believer being deserted by an unbeliever. And this is stated in verse 15, where Paul writes then that the believer is not under bondage in such cases, i.e. free to remain single or to remarry. Now, in verses 39 to 40, there is a conceptual parallel where a wife is said to be bound. A different word in the Greek, but the same concept, as long as her husband lives. 
But if the husband dies, she is free to marry as she wishes only in the Lord. So if the parallel holds, then not bound in verse 15 also means free to marry another. We can go back to Romans 7, 1 to 3 and 1 Timothy 5, 14 on that. And, and these passages support what we'll read further in 1 Corinthians 7, 39 to 40 later on. So that, that a widow then is free to remarry because she is released from being bound in marriage. Therefore, the departure of the unbeliever then nullifies the marriage covenant with a broken vow, and the departing unbeliever then bears that responsibility before Almighty God. You go to Matthew 18, Numbers 30, Ecclesiastes 5, 4 to 5, Matthew 5, 44, even James 5, 12 on that. I cite all that because we need accountability, right? I want to make sure that anything I'm telling you is accountable to the Word of God, especially on the seriousness of the subject at hand. So uh, two motivations that Paul brings out for remarrying in an unequally yoked marriage are, are, one, the spiritual benefits that accrue to your family in verse 14. And number two, the hope that you may win your spouse to Christ. Okay, so remaining in that marriage has benefits to the children and benefits to the spouse. Your mission field is now right in your home, as it always should be right? Your spouse is part of your mission field. You're not equipped. You're not in a position to go and minister outside the home if you're not ministering to your spouse. It starts there, right? I mean, so your your first order of business is to be right with God, with yourself. You need to be in a posture of prayer, abiding with the Lord. Secondly, you've got to do so with your spouse. Thirdly, if you have children, they're your next sphere of influence, and then it cascades from there. So there's an opportunity that can be had here where we know that divorce divorce impacts children. So let's examine this from their perspective. We need to make sure that they understand that you are making a commitment before God and you seek God's blessing, even in a difficult circumstance. And I witnessed my mother go through that, and I saw her faithfulness to God, and I saw her desire to do it God's way, despite some of the difficulty in her marriage, and that sank in deep with me. And has now equipped me even further to go through that tough stuff with my spouse. I'm not going to throw in the towel. It, we're not going to use the D word. We have too much respect for Almighty God to consider breaking his heart, right? So the unbeliever is sanctified, i.e. set apart for God's blessing on account of the believer. That's how much the aroma of the home is impacted by the faithfulness of the servant of Almighty God. And, and these children may one day be saved if the Christian mate is faithful to the Lord. There is a mission to be had. God sees those details. How much can we trust him even when it's difficult? There is no guarantee offered here. He tells us to stay in the marriage to honor our vows before God, but there's no guarantee the spouse will walk with God. There's only the hope that your influence can win them over. Peter will address that too. In Peter, 1 Peter chapter 3, we'll talk about that here in a moment. But God designed us to be yoked together with a believer. So ladies, this is why it's very important that when you make the decision before God to come under the authority of a man as the head of the household, according to Ephesians 5, that you are doing so with confirmation that this man follows Jesus, or you may face great struggle. However, 
For those of you who are yoked with a man who doesn't follow God or is struggling in their walk with God, then you can be assured that God is very aware of your situation and has positioned you to be someone of great influence in their life. Listen to what Peter says. I alluded to it earlier. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 1 to 6 reads, Wives, Likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging of the hair, wearing of gold, putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart, with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit spirit which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. So listen, you may be an Abigail with a Nabal. Okay, go to 1 Samuel chapter 25 on that. Abigail was a woman who trusted God so much that even even stood up for her wicked husband. She knew that he was dishonoring God, and yet she still stood in the gap on his behalf to protect him from the hands of King David who sought to take his life. So as a result of her demonstration of obedience and, and faithfulness before God, God allowed Abigail then to remarry later because God deals with Nabal. He he, is demonstrating here that Abigail's hope and trust was in God only. It, It was above all else. She was going to serve Almighty God even in those difficult circumstances. She she turned Nabal over to God. And I suspect that she probably prayed for him a great deal, but unfortunately, Nabal's heart would not be changed. God had to deal with it, not Abigail. She became ultimately the wife of King David, and it's unfortunate that Nabal wouldn't submit before God. And it cost him everything, but God knew Abigail's pain, her obedience, and her faithfulness despite her circumstances. So remaining faithful to your marriage despite its challenges blesses your spouse and ultimately your children. Remember, it's about your testimony before the Lord. Do all you can then to honor God, and the rest will fall into place. Too often, fear is the motivation for our our decisions, such as the fear of being alone, even the fear that this person will never change. They're going to bankrupt us. They're making the wrong decisions. I'm not happy. All of these things that we use as excuses to not honor our commitment to Almighty God. Now, a couple weeks ago, I think it was a couple weeks ago, we really we got into the subject even about uh, abuses. And, uh, and there is a separate topic about that. Certainly in a case of physical abuse, we have to take that very seriously. Even in psychological abuse, these are very serious issues. So uh, you know your circumstances, and I want to encourage you as you're listening right now, maybe you're on the verge of something very serious here, of a, of a broken marriage. Don't wait. Go to your spiritual leadership. Go to the church, your pastor, your counselors there. Uh, don't, don't wait till you're about ready to sign the paperwork to reach out for help. 
Now is the time, and especially if there is abuses involved here. That's not what we're talking about. Most marriages, there's disagreements, uh, there's dissatisfaction in the marriage, there's lack of contentment, ultimately. It's that this is not what I had planned for my marriage, my dreams aren't being fulfilled, I'm unhappy. All of these circumstances that can weigh over a marriage, maybe there's unfaithfulness, all these circumstances, this is really where this applies. I'm not talking about those kind of abuses. So there's always aspects to this that we have to make sure that it's just not one prescription covers all. Ultimately, this is about our walk before Almighty God. In Acts chapter 24, verse 16, it reads, Always strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and men. Really, this is all about your relationship with Almighty God. He is not oblivious to your circumstances. Seek Him. Ask for guidance. Go to accountability partners. Ask what should be done if you're struggling in some of these areas. So if we have the opportunity, stay put indefinitely. Okay, Paul now, he departs from commenting about marriage to offer a more general considerations about one's overall situation in life. And so in order to explain the general principle he's been trying to communicate in the previous verses about marriage, Paul uses two other issues, such as circumcision and slavery, as examples. I find that very interesting. I also find that it's interesting that, that Peter will address similar issues before addressing marriage in 1 Peter chapter 2. He'll tell servants to serve their harsh masters because it was commendable before God. And this suggests that we're being challenged then to stay in our marriages for a greater cause. For if a servant can endure even a harsh master, then we as Christians should be able to work through our issues within the marriage. So his main point is that after experiencing the call of God, each person should remain in the situation he or she was at the time of that call because their situation is now a mission field opportunity. Okay, so we'll have a lot more to cover about this. We've got so much more to cover on this subject. So we're going to have to wrap up for today. I really want to go into verses 17 to 24 next week and help us understand and and kind of pull these parts out of this extrapolation of this text that I believe will be very helpful to you. This is not an easy discussion. Uh, because uh, unfortunately, we are convinced by the world that our uh, earthly pleasures, our our satisfaction in this flesh, is ultimately the victory. Uh, we have to remember that God has not called us to the easy. It's often going to be a life filled with tribulation, struggle, trials, and in this, God is glorified. You want to see, you want to hear those words, "Well done, thy good and faithful servant." Then, then God is glorified when we persevere, when we push through, when our dependency is wholly on Him, as opposed to resolving these matters in the flesh and, and trying to uh, just get out of difficulty or the path of least resistance. R- rather, let us honor God through and through. Let us not sacrifice our soul for the temporary. But, but rather let us push through with our eyes fixated on that cross, on Jesus Christ our Lord, and the hope that we have on the other end of this, that where we have an eternity with the Lord and with our fellow brothers and sisters, and we want no regrets. We don't want to look back and say, boy, if I'd only just stayed in that, if I'd only fought a little harder for Jesus in that moment, if I'd only struggled a little bit more, I mean, that was only 80 years on earth, and we've got billions of years, if it can even be counted, with the Lord. Let's not sacrifice that for the struggle that we may be enduring in the moment. So if you're going through some difficulty right now, you need some encouragement, please reach out to us at Calvary Fellowship 
Fountain Valley. Our services are at 8 and 10 a.m. on Sundays, but we have services all throughout the week, small groups, ways to connect, ways to engage with other brothers and sisters, even counselors. My my door is open as well, so feel free to give us a, a call, email us, reach out to us at calvaryfountain.com. Again, calvaryfountain.com. We love to see you there on Sunday. God bless you, my friends.